This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, my name is Cassiana Majamite. I'm the CEO and founder at Square Roof. And I am with C with Day today. I've, I'm going to tag this episode as the episode for tech dummies because I'm a tech dummy. So I'm technically doing this episode for me. And that's why I brought my guy on board to help me demystify this tech thing because everybody's saying tech, tech, tech. I don't even know what it's about. But today I have my guy on the on my couch. His name is Kes. Thank you for coming on my show. And by the grace of God, you will help me demystify by the grace of tech. God. By the grace of God. Abby, by the grace of God. <laughs> How are you? How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I mean, it's um so I've always watched your uh mm-hmm. podcast uh, episode. I really think you're doing a good job. I think I remember watching the first one where you said, you know, what episode are you on now? It's like twenty. This is the twenty wow. first episode. Congrats. Or twenty, I can't remember. You're doing well. You're doing well. You're doing well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Anyways, yes. So hopefully, by the grace of God, yeah, uh, we'll be able to talk um, about tech. You know, I think it's the only episode where I I I don't mind looking dumb because I mean, this is why I'm I, I'm I'm at in terms of like knowing what tech is about or mm-hmm. what you guys get up to. But I remember one of the things that even made me say I must understand this space is that I walked into my shopper's house. Right? So I have a shopper who helps me with my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I it's just on Zara things I did buy you. But in the shop for like big, big people, which names I will not mention, right? So one day I see him, my, I see this, my guy inside. I, I mean, he had asked me for my shopper's contact, but my mind not go say in goody buy the big team. You understand? Because <laughs> I'm regular guy where they see you. <laughs> so I walk into my shopper's house. I saw him sitting down. I, I see my ASOS and um, Zara delivery. I won't pick them up. I can't say that they present um, AP wristwatch <laughs> and Rolex RAM. Okay. So 
to even carry the tea, I'm not figuring out. I said, what's going on? So I decided to sit down and watch the process. Hmm. So he was like, oh, this particular one, my wife didn't like the other one. Oh, I think we should change this one. I think I prefer this one better. It's better than the last one. I'm like, what's going on? These are expensive watches. So I can't sit down again. I can't sit in the... So the shoe with the video where I call my podcast the day before, I think hmm. it was, I can't remember the designer. Was he? I can't remember the designer, but I know it was expensive, right? Dior. It was Dior. Mm. Dior sneakers. He don't buy own. I said, hey. I said, what's going on? I said, bro, what do you do? I said, I don't think so. Nothing much. I work in tech. So I don't hear about when they come since like, there's so much money in, in this space. But what's going on? <laughs> what happens? What is what is tech? Why, mm-hmm. why, is, why is there a riff about tech all of a sudden? Right. What okay. do I need to do about this text piece so I can make the same money? So you can make the money. <laughs> well, um, so let me first address this so tech okay. money thing. Okay. Um, yes, there's definitely money in tech. Uh, there's a lot of money in tech. There's a lot of money to be made. I think uh, more than ever before, right? Um, tech is becoming like the go-to, you know, sector space or industry for a lot of young people. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the opportunity that exists in, in technology, especially the fact that with COVID-19, when you look at how we've been locked down and all of those sort of like, you know, the pandemic, technology played a major role in mm-hmm. connecting people, bringing people together. And that has been what technology is all about. Um, but the money side is really a lot to do with, you know, how your, how your company is valued, mm-hmm. uh, what sort of product or solution you have in the market. Um, and obviously a lot of people have made money recently from, from, you know, cryptocurrency as well. And, you know, people will tell you that they are in tech as well. So it could be different dimension, mm. but it's not, it's not everybody uh, that is in tech that is liquid, you know? Oh. So some of this money too is, uh, is, you know, is paper money. <laughs> what do you mean paper <laughs> what money? What I mean paper money is like, um, obviously like, you, you could build a billion dollar company, but you might not be liquid. So you could be rich in equity. You could be rich in stocks and stuff like that. So most times until you have, you know, liquidity events, right? So a liquidity events is when you sell maybe your stake in a company or maybe an investor invests in your mm-hmm. company at a stage where you're more stable and, you know, your business is running, you're, you know, you're generating a lot of revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, then maybe you would be able to, sell some of your shares, cash in on that, mm. and maybe you can start affording the, the big boy lifestyle. But whatever it is, um, yes, there's money in tech, but obviously um, different people with different preference of how they show um, the, the money that they have. But which we are still looking for that type of money, right? Wait, 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 wait. Come back. <laughs> so what's the place for the people that have money in tech mm-hmm. from people that don't have money? Because you just said that you can have a billion dollar company and still not have like... Liquid cash, yeah. How? Uh, so... Now I'm, I'm talking in terms of startups, right? Um, so you can have different type of, um, tech businesses. Mm-hmm. Okay. So startup is a type of tech or a tech startup is a type of business, which most of the time involves two key players, the investors and the founders of mm-hmm. these companies. So when you start a new company, you're hustling, which is like you're bootstrapping your way. You're just like getting people to support you, family and friends. And let's say eventually make a breakthrough. I'm sorry when you check on the news, you hear people saying, we just raised a uh, pre-seed. Mm. We just raised seed round, series A, mm. series B. So all of those different names that you hear, there are different stages in which a startup, you know, is in terms of liquidity 
or money that they've raised to grow the business. So very first stage is, you know, a precede stage more or less. And if you get to a series A stage, um, recently, for example, Flutterwave, which, um, recently raised, um, a serious amount of money, um, raised it at, um, I think post series A, I think it's like series B or series C. I can't, I'm not sure right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, of course, that is a lot of money and the company is valued at a billion, um, over a billion dollars. Mm. Um, the, of course, the founders will have their own share of whatever their stake is in that company and maybe they could cash out if they want. At that point, there is a lot of liquidity in the company. So that your stake that you have from the day zero is now valued at a billion. Right. I mean, or the entire company is valued at a billion, but whatever share you own in that company if you turn, want to sell it and turn it into cash, mm. right, then you have a lot of money. So right. some people have valuable companies, but they don't have the liquidity yet in that company. Oh, are you saying that you can, you can be like a founding member of a, of a startup or mm-hmm. you can even be part of the system, right? Mm-hmm. And only have your money in terms of like shares Stops, and equity yeah. and... Yeah. And not be liquid. It's not liquid. Ah, yeah. which kind of thing? This is the part I don't like about you. Oh, really? Well, you have a tech startup, right? Yeah. So, what do you, so also, because a lot of people say, oh, there's a tech startup here. There's, and there are too many tech startups mm-hmm. that cater to different things. Yeah. Why are they all called tech startups if they represent different things at different times? Okay. What is the common denominator between those? I think for, for a business to be referred as a tech startup, mm-hmm. the underlying... Um, value proposition is that they are using technology as a core component Mm. of delivering value to their customers. Mm. So um, you look, for example, a a delivery company or a a tech company that Mm. does logistics. You know, you can have a logistic company that is not a tech company because people still go to their centers to drop off the parcel and all of that. Oh, wow. Whereas you have the likes of GoCada, where you use your mobile phone to make a request and then, you know, they send the rider to come pick up or the likes of your Uber, where you use are your phone. Startups? Well, I mean, they would be... Are they, they tech would, companies? If you yes, know. they are. They are tech companies. Is that what we categorize them as? Yes, they are tech companies. Just um, because the fact that the core value proposition and the service is delivered through technology. I feel so dumb right now. <laughs> So, I mean, that's that. Mm -hmm. And I think the core premise of anything that is called a tech business is that technology is the underlying, um, you know, value, um, the value chain of that business or the value creation of that business is Mm -hmm. driven by some sort of tech. It could be hardware tech. It could be software tech. Tech has different dimension. But most of what you hear today are usually software-based technology. Mm -hmm. For example, the fintechs, right? Basically, they are Mm -hmm. using um, some sort of apps to connect um, financial services. So if you remember many years ago, right, you would have to go to the bank to, you know, right, to assess basic withdrawal services, mm. deposit services, even money transfer services. So if you're in like Abuja, then, then, you know, you wanted to receive money from someone, you have to go to the bank in person to collect that money. But now you have these apps on your phones that you could just go in, you know, create an account, transfer money from your, your, your preferred card, the other person receives it there. They don't even need to leave their house nowadays. They could just even buy stuff, shop online, you know, move money around. Mm. It doesn't mean that um, the traditional activity is not going on anymore. 
but it just means that tech is now sitting on top of that infrastructure. Mm. So money is moving around in, you know, milliseconds as opposed to you waiting for end of, you know, banking days for transactions to be settled and stuff like that. So it really depends on the industry, right? Um, so different industries and how they choose to use technology mm. would make them a tech company, a core tech company, or um, you have companies that also use technology, but their business is not tech driven. So you can, for example, we're using technology on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there is video editing, there is softwares that are involved. The company that owns that software would be considered as a tech company. But right? we would but we, <laughs> we are not tech companies because the, what we're using is we're just using that tool that they've created mm. to enhance um, different value you know, chain of this you know, process. So um, this type of business might not be... Um, so this type of business is not going to be seen as a tech business even though we're utilizing technology. So we're the customer of the tech company. Right. Right. Um, so most people just confuse the idea that if you, the moment you use computer or any form of tech to do something, you're not a tech startup. Bro, no, that's tech not. startups with the Lagos plenty past the people with the, with the, with the, with the, the, the startup. Yeah. But, but what, what does the startup do though? Okay. So um, just to, I mean, a bit of myself, um, I dabbled into tech like very early on, mm-hmm. right? And it had also been from the angle of how do I bring people together? You know, how do I bring value together? And um, I'd had many adventure on that journey. Um, so currently, one of the um, ventures, and because I consider myself as a serial tech, tech entrepreneur, which means I build ventures from the beginning and then get more qualified hands down the line to run them as the CEOs. And just because I like challenges and I'm so curious, I do new things. Excuse me. Take yes. me back. Um, what do you mean? You're a techpreneur who builds stuff. Um, so, of course, um, in tech, right, you have those people who now to build and operate um, tech companies. So you also have people who are focused on finding new opportunities in the market. So you mm-hmm. could either be a founder that discover a new opportunity in the market and you know how to code. And then you code up a software and that software is delivering value for a type of customer, a specific type of customer. Mm-hmm. And you can basically make a fortune out of that or it could fail and you could move into another startup because there's another opportunity that you spotted in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so someone who either from success or from failure has been consistent, right, in building tech ventures, you know, would be considered as a serial tech entrepreneur. Um, but obviously, the idea behind that is the opportunities are endless. Mm. So most times you have a particular skill set to jumpstart new ventures. Um, so the business we run, and my company is focused on building companies. So we build tech startups. Oh. So And this starts from because... Um, Many years ago, when I started my journey, um, I started out as a freelancer. So I, what I do, or what I was doing then was um, I get jobs from, and this is where also the tech money that you're talking about comes from now. So you have what we call the remote work, right? Yes. So you have people who are living in this Nigeria working that are working for our broad companies. Yeah. And this didn't just start, but obviously the tech talent in Nigeria is growing and the demand for tech talent is like on astronomical level. 
and it's like global competition. Wow. So if you have the skill, you have the knowledge, you can be taking up a job in San Francisco or in any country. So imagine when you, you are here, any your Naira, somebody's I any... Because <laughs> I really want Naira to take the benefit from this money. So, I mean, just to, you know, go back to that question is that that's how I started basically. So there are these platforms, right, mm-hmm. where you go on there once you know how to code or you know how to do some tech-related activity, then I, I knew how to build websites. I mean, I build websites. I started out building websites, as a mm-hmm. matter of fact. So on all this platform, you log in, you create an account, you get gigs. Uh, people pay you like $100 to build websites. You know. So by the time you do that for a while, I did that for almost five, five years, six years, just getting gigs. And I also expanded that by because I had like some you know friends and I had access to talent in india uh you know this is far back as you know 2012 2013 thereabouts mm. so i would get these jobs because i could bid for these jobs mm. so i bid for them and then i assembled the team um a programmer a front-end designer and all of that and then we do that job so i don't do the technical work i just know how to scope the requirements mm. that is needed and i know how to communicate this to the technical guys that will get the job done. So I'm right. basically the middleman. So my career started being in that position of middleman relationship mm-hmm. where I know who needs this and I know who can do it. Mm. And I bring, um, you know, the service together. Right. So I, I made, um, most of my first foreign, um, box from, from doing that. And so in my tech journey, it has always been building products that connect opportunities. So, where there is a market and there's demand, I keep looking for how do we build a tech solution in the middle. Mm. So you will know of e-commerce solutions that people build just, you know, it doesn't mean that they are replacing the retail traditional stores, mm. but you can access those stores from your screen, you know, place your orders and then someone go fix them up and all of that. So what so, I'm doing so currently... ideally, yeah, you would be the guy to build that... That company, Yes. So when you start a company like that, you are a tech founder. You you become a tech right. founder because you have built like a platform. So we call them platform startups or marketplace startups. Mm. So a marketplace is basically where you bring service providers on one end and you bring the customers on the other end mm. and they come together to congregate on that platform, basically. So they shop, you send that um, order request to the seller. The seller fulfills that order. You get a commission you know, from that transaction. And a lot of companies make, you know, their fortune from that. So we've done this, we've seen this in fintech and different industry, but I've been very curious about the real estate space, right? Which is, first of all, it's not affordable for the average person. Mm -hmm. And also just living abroad for a while, I know like I had friends who wanted to invest locally in the Nigerian real estate space, but they didn't have like a local um, contacts that could help them do, you know, the due diligence and all of those required activity. Mm-hmm. And that's like one big problem because real estate is so complex, you know, verifying title documents, mm-hmm. checking all of those different, um, you know, scams that happen in the space and making sure like you're not paying your money to one person that's going to run. And solving that was something that I thought, you know, technology can do in mm-hmm. the sense that we can aggregate credible properties land, verify them, do all of those due diligence, convert that paper information into digital information that anywhere you are in the world, 
Um, if you're interested in investing in real estate in Nigeria, you could read about that property. Ooh. You could get insight into it. But more so is that we're not making it available that more people can now buy, you know, shares of that property. So the way you would ideally have purchased a share of Amazon or Google or Microsoft, uh, we are letting people own their own share of rental properties. So you can be a landlord without actually buying a full building. You can just be part of the contributor. So like me and you now, mm-hmm. we come together, we have like the start- costs to purchase this building. When the parents will share it equally now, that's how it's right. supposed to be. So you don't have to have that headache of, let me go and raise the money. Now, if we bring 10 of our friends together now, mm-hmm. we can do that. We just need to find a way of having a common agreement. So technology can replace all those headaches. And again, 10 of us cannot just go and manage that property at the same time. Mm-hmm. So we need to appoint one person. So we just want to know that our rental income is coming in constantly. Mm-hmm. The property is properly managed. And the biggest problem, which is the elephant in the room, is maybe at some point you need money urgently. You would have to find who is going to buy you know, this property from you. So what we're doing is to be able to make it easy for you to sell that property back without having to start looking for a broker or agent and all of that. So when you think about it, it's the way you would, um, if you're familiar with Robinhood or any of these online mm. um, apps that allows you to buy shares in any of these um, companies, we are making it easy for you to buy your share, right, of rental properties, become a landlord faster, and, wow. you know, earn money without doing the headache that, that is involved. So the company is called Square Roof. Okay, so basically, yeah, tech startups mm-hmm. just use tech to solve every yes, problem. Yeah, like that's the that's the concept. Like you see a problem, um, and there's an opportunity. Obviously, when you solve the problem, mm. and by solving that problem, you're thinking of how can I solve this problem fast. I think that's also one of the things that make tech startups to you know have their uniqueness. Mm. We're looking at a problem. Sometimes fast does not mean today. Does not mean instantly. Mm. It means that being able to accelerate the rate at which a solution can mm-hmm. come. So someone like Tesla, for example, Elon Musk building Tesla. Electric cars were something that a lot of us did not think was going to be possible. Right. right. Even in Nigeria, I'm sure a lot of people joke about the idea of electric cars, but we, I'm, I'm sure you've even seen Teslas in Nigeria, right? So it just shows you that um, technology is all about looking at the opportunity that exists in the world. And figuring out how do I build a piece of software, hardware, or whatever it is that requires minimal human interaction for it mm. to be able to create value for everybody in the in, in the room or in the uh, that that has that problem essentially. Amazing. Yeah. So how's your startup doing? What what I mean? How, are people buying into it? Yeah, I mean, the, we've seen um, definitely like the concept is quite um, interesting for a lot of people, especially because those were serving. Right. Uh, those who have, if you've thought about it, buying a house at some point, mm-hmm. investing in property. So, but everything about that process is just so complex. If you've actually sat down to, you know, think about, you know, just finding the land mm-hmm. and all of that. So the interest is definitely there. Um, we've been able to gather a lot of, um, users on the platform and we think that, um, there's a long process ahead of us. It's it's a very big problem we're solving, managing the different, you know, bodies and all the different parties that has to come together to make it work. But definitely the interest has been very phenomenal. At least I'm 
I get wowed every day when I, you know, look into the, the attractions and I'm surprised like, wow, this is catching on. And I feel like we're, we're on the right path. On the right path. So, um, please, uh, yeah, coding. Mm-hmm. What is coding? <laughs> um, okay. So coding, hmm, think of coding as a command, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to get this cup. So you, the command in your head is pick this cup. Mm-hmm. Do you understand? Coding is a bunch of, let me use the word letters, like that you write. Mm-hmm. It's like a note. And I'm using this very high level description, obviously, but it's a set of commands that you give a computer to execute, mm. to give you results in the digital ecosystem. And it could be beyond digital. So, I'll use this podcast as an example. I'm speaking into the mic. There is a code, as hilarious as that might sound, that is taking the frequency of my voice and sending it to the computer where it is being stored. That is the only thing that code is doing. So in the big sense of it, in technology, you write codes as instructions to execute a particular type of task. And once that task is done, that code, you know, is functional or it runs well. When it doesn't run well, you would say there is a bug, you know, that means that code is not full, is not functioning properly. So that's coding at the very early stage. So your brain is also a set of codes, mm-hmm. right? Because before you carry out any action, you're telling yourself in your mind, your, your neurons are connecting mm-hmm. to carry out that instruction. So, if you remove that process and put it into a box that you call a computer, that's what goes on in a computer. So what makes a computer turn on when you press the power button, like when you pick your phone and you press the power button and it comes on, there is a code for that on and off. Hmm. When you um, want to go on Instagram and you want to post a picture, there is a code to publish, to push. Right. So those code just performs those instructions that you give to it. And there are a couple of people who are experts at writing them. Codes, yes. So you call them programmers, software programmers, wow. or web developers, or whatnot. So, any, so exactly. So when we talk about tech now, these are like the kind of jobs that exist in tech, right? Mm. So, and I think this is also how, when you see people, there are different people that make the big buck in tech. Yeah. So these people, this set of people, the software developers, uh, the programmers, they are the highest in demand in, in you know in tech space because everything about tech revolves around writing codes and it's a very, very important skill and also a very, very, um, it's a very technical skill, but if you are interested, it's easy to learn. Um, kids now learn how to code, right? And I think, um, there's a lot of people advocating for kids to, to know how to code and it's a very good thing. Can I still learn at this age? Yeah, of course. I mean, I think one thing about code tech that makes a lot of people sort of like have mm-hmm. this idea that it's hard or you know, tech is hard, no doubt. But when you have the will, mm-hmm. the determination, the zeal to want to, you know, just write code. And I'll tell you how I started coding. Okay. So my first computer, I got it at nine, right? So I was very, I mean, I was privileged to have like, you know, my dad was into computers. He was one of the early adopters of computers. Mm-hmm. So I was able to use a computer from that age and all of that. So I, I used to think I've seen everything about computers. At at 12, 
I was good at every application then. And, I, and I, when I say application, Microsoft Word, <laughs> PowerPoint, all this, you know, they call them desktop publishing applications. Wow. So I used to feel like I, I was, you know, I was it. I was, oh God, you know. But very quickly, I was humbled, right? So I had this friend who was in my church and um, we went to church. So one of my friends brought his computer that his dad just got him. And he said, okay, so I know you can install um, softwares on my computer. I want games and stuff like that. So this other guy picks the computer and then goes to an app called Notepad. Um, if you have a computer, I've seen Notepad, mm, yeah, right? Yeah. So he goes to Notepad, writes a bunch of lines and then save. He opened it up on a browser like Google Chrome. And you know this thing that it, so it's called the angle of third in, in, when you watch TV, mm-hmm. like a news channel. Right. And that thing is lower scrolling. Third, so yeah. yeah, the lower third. So we'll call it MacQ in HTML. So this guy wrote a code. What is HTML? So HTML is a, is a computer, um, is a computer language, right? It's a, it's, so it stands for hypertext markup language. So it's a type of syntax. The way we spoke about codes being commands, one of the, so different, um, there are different programming languages. So the way I speak English, speak Pidgin English, I speak Arabic, by the way. <laughs> so um, if, you, if you can speak any of those languages, right? If I say go, right? In, someone that understands English knows it's go. Mm. If I say yalla in Arabic, mm. like someone that understands, go. you know. So, that same way, we have different programming languages that carries out instruction. So you have different programmers being vast at different programming languages. So those programming languages, HTML is one of those type of language that allows right. you to do web pages. So it's a markup language. Right, right. Okay. So at that age, okay. I even didn't know what HTML was. Mm. But <clears throat> I was shocked. Like, you know how you feel so like you know something? Part, like he wrote some things. He like, wrote some things. He just typed something, something. And now that I, in, I mean, in retrospect, I know what he did because he just put some very interesting stuff. But mm. then it was magic. You know how mm. people do card magic for mm. you and they tell you which one is your card and you're like... And you were curious about it. I was like, what? what is this? He became my best friend. He became my best friend. Right. And then from there, I am a very, very curious person. Very curious. So... I started, like, I need to know how to do this thing. This is, like, the biggest... And then I just watched all this Matrix, you know, that movie. That they would be... <laughs> yeah. So, I was like, this is the real thing. Like, I want mm-hmm. to be able to do some something like this. So, from there, I started learning, you know, by myself. I'm a, um, an autodidact, right? Which is, I can auto... I can okay, learn. I tell you, see, the condition you could break <laughs> down to Lehman. No, no. So, autodidact is people that self-taught. So, they can That's learn right. on their own. Yes. So, um, I just started learning. I go to cyber cafe. I mean, internet penetration was not what we have now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I used to go to cyber cafe, sit down there, read about it. I'm sure at that time. Wait, so, are you saying that as a kid, when we were busy trying to get on Facebook <laughs> <laughs> and play with sand and everything, you wanted to be at the cafe learning about it? I mean, the cafe part was progressive, right? But mm-hmm. this was when I was already, say, 13, 14. Um, yeah, at 13, so you're 14. you're basically a nerd as a kid, Sha. A lot of people try to throw that title. You don't want to call it that nerd title. Yeah, that's yeah. why I call you on a regular day. Anyway. <laughs> okay. But I just think curiosity is the, what I think. I'm just curious. Um, I just like to learn. And, and I think having that early exposure hmm. was what helped me understood the power of technology. Hmm. Like right from 
Lagos, Nigeria, I was reading, I was on par with what the world was because I had access to internet. So I was reading things. So when people were using the news, so if you can just go back in time, look at how people consume information. Somebody has to tell you, or you read it in newspaper, Mm -hmm. or you read it, you heard it on the news. Internet wasn't a thing where people just go to a source for news. Like now, a lot of Mm -hmm. people go on Instagram to get their news. A lot of people go on this. But at that time, I was going um, to Cyber Cafe to read about HTML, how to write websites, how to do this, how to do that. So I did all of that. I built my first website, you know, and I started realizing that this might be a thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not proud about my first website because now that I look back, I was like, <laughs> what, what is this? But, you know, we did that. So, um, essentially, all of this was because I was looking at it from how do I take that skill set that I that I've built over the years and bring it into everything that I'm that I am today, right? Which is just being curious about technology from the very beginning. And technology is never constant. So it's always changing. Mm-hmm. So once you've buried yourself into that space, it really takes a lot for you to get out of it. So the only thing you do is that you now have this lens of looking at the world, which is when you see a problem, sometimes, which is why some people just build different type of startups because mm. they will look at it that tech can solve everything. Right. I mean, it's not everything that tech can solve. I don't think tech can solve broken hearts if they break your heart like on Valentine's Day. Bring like some code you go, <laughs> you go stay and give my phone. <laughs> Maybe Siri, like, every other day Siri will just like, fun fact, me. Fun fact, yeah. You know, there is this thing Elon Musk is working on. Mm-hmm. It's called the Neuralink. I don't know if you heard of it before. So okay. Neuralink is, um, so basically it's like the CPU for your brain. So they can start sending code. <laughs> this guy should just give us a rest. They've done enough. So they can make when when they break your heart, you just go write the code, wipe this place from my memory. That would be very good. Though. <laughs> that would be fantastic because the level of heartbreak and things I don't want to ever remember. So a lot of people. So like when like when it. person just break your heart, like yesterday, you're like smart thing. Nigerians will love it. <laughs> Smart serious, go write code. Serious, <laughs> of course, and this is, this is endless. What you can do when with, you can write code. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Um, NFTs. Hmm. NFTs have given me sleepless nights. <laughs> I really want to understand it. Mm. I have tried. People have dropped videos. I, in fact, I even follow a random page called something NFT, some, some, something. I really want to know why. Or what it is? What is the metaverse? What other realm will we be operating on in the next how many years? Why? Why is Max Zuckerberg talking about these things so so much passion? Like I'm really curious. What are NFTs? What are what is the metaverse? Okay. Um, so one thing about technology also is mm. like there's so many buzzwords, right? Yeah. Every now and then, and and if you, if you don't, you know, stay focused sometimes, mm. you'll just be confused like this but um yeah nft is a thing um metaverse obviously a thing but i mean i like to give perspective to these things so the web or the era of computers started from what we call web Mm 1.0 so which we call the post pc era that is before if you you remember computers were just this big box Mm -hmm. that you had to sit in one place to use that suddenly they brought smartphones. We now had 
Yahoo Messenger, all those type of apps, and then yeah. slowly, slowly, slowly we progressed. So Web 1.0, then 2.0 is what we currently are in, right? Which is basically access to information, mm-hmm. but still very centralized, right? Because the information is sitting on a particular server and all of that. So, but in the recent years, we started hearing about the concept of blockchain. Blockchain being decentralized technology. So blockchain, um, you know, metaverse, NFT, they have, they all have a lot in common, but all of these new buzzwords or all of this new technology that you're hearing, um, they have their roots in blockchain technology, which is kind of what we refer to web 3.0. So speaking of NFTs, Wait, before you enter NFTs, mm-hmm. you have to take me back. Now. All right. What's the blockchain? What is Web 3.0? Are we living in... What is Web... Like- <laughs> um, so, I think... Let's put it this way. Web, web blockchain is... In simple terms, it's creating a trusted ecosystem on technology that is not governed by any human which is the concept of decentralization. Now, today, we have the central bank, right, Mm -hmm. that controls all the banks. So the central bank controls the money, the printing, and all of those different Mm -hmm. things. Um, If you have a bank account, all your money is sitting in that bank. That bank basically controls the in and out of that money. Mm -hmm. And that's me using one example of centralized system. So all of that is going through one centralized system. Mm -hmm. So, but blockchain is saying that what if we can still have the same transaction, but it's built on a trusted network where there is a ledger that verifies the information that is being transferred. If it finds it to be correct on the node, then it approves or rejects a particular type of transaction. So no need for anybody to be involved to Mm -hmm. control anything. So that's the concept of decentralization. So basically, blockchain is a a type of computing um, structure, right, that allows people to interact with one another, but without any form of governance. Layman. Who who, created blockchain? Who created ledger with the government? Well, I mean, so... Uh, when you look at it like that, you say, I have all these questions. Questions similar to who created God and... <laughs> <laughs> well, that. But, but um, so, there's a guy called Satoshi, right? Who was the founder of blockchain. Right. So, but basically, he wrote a set of codes and those codes, they perform certain actions. Remember, I said codes are commands. So, the command that he has given to that code is to do this so when it's launched, it becomes a self-governing system. Right. So he does not have the power to now control what happens again. So it's not left to the system to govern and people to build. Mm. So that's why I say people like mining, um, they are mining cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Basically, for the other computer that is verifying and confirming that this information is correct, they are the ones responsible for that authentication. So it's like saying one plus one is two. Mm. But for it's not me that will say it's two. It's that Temisa's computer to have to confirm is two. Mm. So on that ledger is across everybody that's connected in the blockchain ecosystem. So that's your one plus one that you send into the ecosystem is two everywhere. 
So by the time he goes on that computer and is corrupted and is no longer to everywhere, it's no longer old value again. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a self-governing ecosystem. Okay. And every day we're still learning about blockchain. I mean, for me, I don't have any direct, you know, um, projects in blockchain, sorry, but I know sorry, there's... Sorry. I know that, yeah. I told you this episode, I always sound dumb. So where is this blockchain? Is it like a website? Is it... So you have... you have. A, I know if I laugh at me, but this episode is full of us. Yeah, so it's a... It's a it's, so you assess the web. <laughs> now you're getting so technical. You assess the web, web through protocols, right? And obviously, I'm not a blockchain, like you open blockchain expert. You even further down. That's the problem. Tech will bury you. <laughs> I'm ready for tech today. <laughs> because the thing with tech is there's so much information. And that's why I said earlier, you know, once you get into it, if you want to go very far, the mm. the more you... So there's something, if there's this concept called the deep web. I don't know if you've seen that picture on social media before. No. So the concept of deep web is that everything that you see on the internet is like a fraction of the real internet in itself. Mm. So there's more under the, mm. you know, um, sea. So, and that's the way these things are. Um, so if someone like me, I don't do anything in blockchain, like I said, currently, right? Um, I'm still exploring different things. Um, I'm, I'm even learning a lot of these things myself. But I think the fundamental knowledge that anyone needs to understand is that Blockchain is a protocol that is governed by a set of codes and a system that sort of like self, um, you want to, if you, if you lack the better word, like self heals itself, self control itself, mm-hmm. as long as the request that has been sent and the person that the request has been sent to, their computer is able to be verified on mm-hmm. the entire network. Okay. So the same way internet works, right? Which I said web 2.0. If you have a website, right? You put all your podcasts like on YouTube. Mm. I will need to go to that your address to assess that your content. Mm-hmm. So the internet is already structured that way that to assess Timison's uh, podcast, I have to go to www.youtube.com right. and all of that. So there are so many services, platforms that also, even though the core technology that they are built on is a blockchain technology, you still assess them through these protocols. So it doesn't mean like you assess, sometimes you don't even know that you are using a, so, a solution that is powered by blockchain because it's still code. Mm. Do you understand? It doesn't mean that you will see any major difference involved. But obviously, the most uh, relatable use case that everyone knows is, you know, Bitcoin and, you know, the cryptocurrencies, which is one use case. And then NFTs, which is also another use case. And, and I think NFTs might help you understand the blockchain concept, mm-hmm. which is... Um, and by the way, I'm not expert on all of these blockchain um, NFT things. Mm. But what the premise of NFT is that if, so it's NFT means non-fungible tokens, right? So the concept of fungibility means that you can exchange something. So if I give you money, if I give you 100 naira, Mm -hmm. it's 100 naira if you take it to the market. Do you understand? You can use it to exchange for something. So, but NFT is not fungible in that sense. That is, you cannot use it to exchange for something else. Right. So when you own it, you own it like the way you own art, you know, stuff like that, that is sort of like exclusive. It has its own value. So NFT promises, um, certificate of authenticity, basically saying this thing that you have sold in digital art or in the virtual world. And one of the most used cases is in the art others, you know, board ape that you see everywhere and all of that. If you buy this, 
this is the value you purchased it. This has potential of increasing in value, just Ooh. the way ads increases in value. Why? I don't know. To be honest, and yeah, <laughs> because the truth is, um, when I said buzzwords in tech, mm-hmm. and not to step on people's toes, because this is a very big conversation, but mm-hmm. I think for me, when I look at NFT, it's still something that the use cases that exist now, I haven't been able to connect um, the ones that are practical and relatable in real time. Like I'm, I'm very real in terms of how I look at assets, like mm. tangible assets that I can feel, touch and stuff. I mean, obviously, even though I own stocks and all of those different things, I know the underlying driver of value. I know what is driving the value, mm-hmm. but I don't know what is driving NFT. Sentiment exactly. is how people feel, you know, um, the hype. Is it sustainable? Sustainability is, um, it's relative because one thing about tech is you cannot, you don't want to be on the other side of tech, which is many years ago, a lot of people said this, ah, I heard of Bitcoin, but I did not buy. I was one of them. In fact, I have a guy that they probably will see this episode who I actually thought was fraud, was doing fraud because I didn't understand why he would tell me to, like I should treat this amount of money good. I'm like, who did this MMM? Who did double this? Who did triple this money for you? Where's all this money is coming from? Even crypto, you need to explain crypto to me because mm-hmm. I still don't get it. Crypto is big. You won't finish. Okay, every, so let's, every, let's finish. Yeah. Let's finish but, but, but yeah, crypto is also NFT and there is a, they are related because you buy NFT with cryptocurrency, right? I think it's based on Ethereum. Um, Ethereum is also a type of cryptocurrency, right? Now, in the blockchain world, different cryptocurrency also have like what they are doing. So, Ethereum is about smart contracts. And the concept of NFT is also about, remember I said it's about certificate of authenticity. Mm. So, it means that you're executing a contract between this creator and the buyer to say that this thing I've created, this is the person that has the right, exclusive rights to this thing. Mm -hmm. So even though you can right-click and copy this image and save it and share it, right? But obviously, there is a token that gives that um, NFT its value that makes it worth X and Y that people buy and sell. So different cryptocurrency, when you look at... Sorry, let me take you back. mm -hmm. Who determines those, those tokens? Who... It's even so funny that some people can just see why I don't draw monkey head for for this thing with one hundred thousand dollars. Why? Like what? Some people they buy them. That's yeah. how I made a killing from my. I sold my NFTs. Who won't buy monkey head? Because <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if somebody doesn't do photo shoot, my they go snap. My put them for the even myself. Like if you just draw anything now, just draw metaverse. Like what is the metaverse? Yeah. So, yeah, NFTs, there's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Metaverse is also now a concept, right? It's a virtual world. So the way we exist like this, mm. some, you know, when you think of it, think of it, all these games. If you played like GTA, yeah. all those games that it feels so real. And then if you've played any of these games with your VR headset, where you wear those, you know, Oculus VR, all those kind of um, headsets, where you become fully immersed. So it's an immersive technology where you're bringing in virtual reality, augmented reality into a space that you assess with some sort of headset 
Mm-hmm. And there are obviously different ways you can search just through your computer. So that world, right, is the metaverse. It's not really like anything. It's just basically bringing, um, it's like a, bringing the two words together, universe and then meta. It's just Facebook coming up with that. Oh, it belongs name. to Facebook. So metaverse does not belong to Facebook, mm-hmm. but Facebook is a major pioneer in that conversation, mm-hmm. right? But it's the same way when we said Web 2.0 that you assess via www.vio browser. Um, Metaverse, you also assess it through a protocol. Mm. So Facebook has built, the way they built Facebook social network, they, mm. they also have like their own meta platform. Right. So other people to have, you know, you have like this central land where you can buy land. Now there's like land is scarce in virtual <laughs> in metaverse. Now this is distressing. <laughs> Why am I buying land in the place where I would never see it? Like, so fun fact, there's this one I, I was reading about something. So in, I think it's uh, this central land is, is a metaverse. Mm. So somebody bought house close to Snoop Dogg. So Snoop Dogg bought, bought a plot, right? Justin Bieber has performed in the metaverse before. So, how did he perform? See, if you begin to talk like you make techno look like this. <laughs> no, but that's, I, I told you that this is an episode for dummies. I know. Because I've been trying to understand it for mm-hmm. the longest time. Yeah. How did Justin Bieber perform in the metaverse? So, I read this. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't go to okay. the live performance. Because even you, you don't sound like you believe the NFTs and this all these things. I get my reservation. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no. So as much as I am aware, right? Obviously, when you're in an industry, you need to be aware of what is mm. moving and all of that. So I'm very aware of the new trends, the buzzwords. But I, I don't just jump on the hype, right? I try to find a fundamental value proposition and mm. why. But also, you don't want to left, be left behind, which exactly. is the, the real value. Exactly, ride the wave. And that's exactly. really why I'm trying to know everything about so, it. So, when you think about it, there is the value proposition for why the metaverse exists. But I just think that um, technology gets to a point where we just start creating and creating things that, you know, some we need, some we don't need. Some, mm. they don't have like direct value or use case. But I'll give you a use case that is interesting that I've seen in the metaverse is the Microsoft use case. So Microsoft's um, idea is building the work, um, you know, now that we have remote working, people working from home and all of that, the only way you connect to your colleague is just using um, Zoom and all of those type of softwares. It's not as immersive. So, but with, um, I've forgotten the name they call that Microsoft uh, metaverse platform. Mm. But basically, you could enter into it, right? Because you have to enter with your headset mm. and it's like your office. <coughs> so now here's the beauty of where I see NFT having big value mm. is that now Microsoft had designed that experience to look like their office. So imagine the art on the wall is an NFT art, right? So if you've collected exclusive like it's just like if you have a rembrandt right which is like great piece of work in the metaverse you can maybe maybe just pitch it and sell it and they use it to design microsoft office for metaverse because now the only way if it is connects to like with your eyes so so i'm just 
Wait, I just I just did tell you like how me I see mm. perhaps different use cases. Okay, that's, that's we still talk the same thing. So mm-hmm. give or take, maybe one day like this, if you just if you just did work, maybe say they work for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. If you don't buy NFTs for somewhere, just okay. Look at hang on for like yeah, hang on for, for a chef. <laughs> <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> wow. But if you just like because architects day for metaverse now because again if you buy land you go and build 3D model of your house where you go enter remember you don't play GTA GTA no okay but people that have played GTA you know that you can you have house that you enter to chill mm. where you change your clothes that kind of stuff so but now it's real it's real money mm-hmm the but have you, have you not felt like when you play all those games that they do coins where you have like I oh, really wish you, you can't me your money uh-huh. so now in this case you earn money how do you earn money? You have to have assets, all those type of things. So it's like a, it's a psychological way of having value in the mm. digital ecosystem. I think that's how I see it overall, okay. right? And obviously, it's very new. Um, there is no one direction that what you can say this is the right way or this is the wrong mm. way. I think the likes of Facebook, Microsoft, um, Apple, and all these people jumping on this is just a type of solution to keep the human their customers just you know we humans will like more yeah right so if there is no new innovation and also is that if facebook is going in this direction you know go on not go do you understand so you now see all these big companies also like getting involved nike and you know these different brands but to be honest i think right now it's still very very vague yeah um I don't personally have not seen or I cannot connect and maybe of, of course as I get to learn more I cannot connect the reality of a tangible use case oh there's one good use case by the way that I think is also very very useful actually okay I, 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 let me take that back in the health sector so you could if you're a surgeon put on the um, you know your VR headset mm-hmm. and conduct a surgery right in another location so all those type of surgeries that they cannot do in nigeria for example in the metaverse they can have like a simulation that is real so they can use it to train people because how many live human being you want the courts to say now intense time with this now like this <laughs> do you understand mm-hmm. so those very complex surgeries that the the margin of error is near, near zero right you would want to have a safe, safe sp- um, space to experiment. Even in the aviation industry, for example, mm. I mean, just being able to simulate um, that experience for training pilots and all of that. So perhaps the metaverse have its use cases. Um, it's just that it's not yet tangible um, to a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, obviously those will move early. You know, they are the one that get the biggest. So, do you think scope. in the near future we'll probably be all be existing and doing some things on the metaverse? Mm-hmm. I, be, I mean, because who knew that social media was going to become a thing like this? They probably told us maybe ten years ago or mm-hmm. twenty years ago that there will be an app or there will be a system where we're so connected that I can just pick up a device and know where exactly you are. Yeah. Um. So, in the near future. Depending on how you layer all of this, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to get too deep into my own 
obsession of technology and how curious He's I get. <laughs> but if I look at it, if we're going to talk about like climate change, global warming, a lot of things, I'm sure that will reduce a lot of things that we do mm. in the real world. I mean, I, I could I could be far from being correct, right? But just looking at it that today, like you said, I my de facto um, process for anything is to first check if I can get it online. Do you understand? Right. Like, I don't, I don't go out physically to a lot of places anymore. Most of the things I need, I can access it with, with my phone. I can access a lot of services. Um, and that has now become the way of life, right? There are some services that you would need the experiential feeling. So, for example, during the lockdown period, a lot of people could not travel. Um, but you could just travel in the metaverse, go to Morocco, <laughs> see the sun. <laughs> so, I I'll go wear uh, Google. You go wear Google. Yeah, you guys wear now. Call travel Google, mm-hmm. Marrakesh. Yeah, Marrakesh. They could stop you for embassy for the for the for the for when the cost of control. Reality, <laughs> Sorry, breaking transmission. <laughs> Please make this make sense. Yeah, I mean that you go get back. So one of the reasons why I'm so keen on understanding this space now is because ten years ago, twenty years ago, a lot of these things that we're doing now will probably not make sense to even yeah. the generation before that. There'll come a time where, and that's why you're seeing a lot of investments in technology, yes, right? Yes. Um, because a lot of people. For me, the power of technology that I keep going back to is its ability to democratize access, right? Which is, you don't have to look at us like, right, this is not, um, before, before you can get prime time spots on TV or any of this media, you know how expensive these things mm-hmm. are. But now you have decentralized access, democratized access to run your podcast, to have your own channel, build your own you know, community, which is the concept of Web 2.0, by the way, which is that it's a content creation economy, right? Content mm-hmm. creator economy. It's a creator economy. So, we didn't have those concepts back then. But as the speed of technology, you know, moves, mm-hmm. you will start seeing that the things that we probably would cringe about, now they are norms. Like you what? don't even think about them. I'm, I'm just giving like example. Mm-hmm. For example, um, <clears throat> let me look for one that is very that a lot of people can relate to many years ago, but now, um, uh, which one, which one, which one, which one? Let me see. The one that comes to mind is online dating. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, which is weird because I mean, this movie just came out on, on Netflix. Right. Have you seen the, yeah. The, uh, the uh-huh. documentary. So, but there were a lot of people that found love real genuine love mm-hmm. even on twitter i'm sure you've seen all of that I've, I've met you a know? few people off exactly off instagram sliding into dms mm-hmm. all these things they were unimaginable like you you, you didn't have access to options <laughs> if you look at it that way. <laughs> but, but, but do you think that technology because you said that do you think that technology in any way reducing human connections and because people say oh these days oh because of technology people are less human they want to be on their phones imagine we now have the metaverse where you can actually just hmm. go and connect in a different realm yeah 
would human beings if we want to see themselves? Would they like won't people lose jobs? What, what are the downsides or what are the negative effects of the fast growing piece of technology? Yeah, I think you're right. You touched on that, which is um human interaction have dropped significantly. I think one of the things technology is pushing on that on that ground, even though the most popular social network says our mm. goal is to connect, yeah. but they actually, dis- I mean, it's more disconnection than connecting yeah. because we're disconnected in real life, but we are all connected digitally, Yeah, which the very essence of feel, touch, you know, of the human relationship it's is gone. fast eroding. So I think that's a downside um, and it has its own psychological effect on people. Mm. Um, there's been several studies around that. Um, yes, there's also obviously the one of the biggest areas that I think is the biggest conversation is the area of AI, <coughs> artificial exactly. intelligence. Go to, right. Come to that. So, the biggest dilemma, which is the question that every AI specialist, you know, they use it in training and you know, just subject conversation. And I'll put it to you, right, mm-hmm. so you can see how tricky it is. Self-driving car, right, is supposed to stop when he sees an obstacle. Mm-hmm. So, on the road, is an old woman and a baby. Mm-hmm. How does he make the decision of which to ramp? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, he could not stop. Maybe, like, for some reason, he, can't, he couldn't stop. Technology, tech failed and whatever. And obviously, a lot of people are working so that this does not happen. That's why these things go through series of approvals and regulation and all that. But if you leave that decision to a computer to pick exactly. between who are you going to run over just because, you know, you have no option in this situation, how would you make that decision? But you can maybe figure that maybe a human being involved might just say, you know, I don't want to kill anybody. Just drive off into the water or something or whatever because mm-hmm. the human mind is able to also make split-second decisions Season. that are based on empathy, mm-hmm. based on care. But now you have like a lot of AIs that are training on how to care, how to f- have feelings. Yeah, that's what like the. How can I? Have you seen? Have you? There's this. There's this thing called humanoid. Have you heard of what humanoids are? No. Um. So there's this lady. Her name is called Sophia. I think I've watched like something. Yeah. yeah she's a robot that. AI. She has all the expressions. Sophia, the the robot. If you talk to her, she can. She can even. Mirror your mannerism. Like, hey, excuse me. That's kind of stuff. So, machine learning, mm-hmm. right? Which is the, the sort of like the foundation of AI is being able to train computers to understand how to process a lot of data, which we call big data. Mm-hmm. So, every time we're creating data, when I say something, how do you respond? How do you think this is mm-hmm. deep? How do you think this is, you know, how do you process that information? So now, a lot of people devote their time in the tech world to study those, you know, reaction behavior and they convert that into some set of instructions, which is codes. And then it gets to a point where they now give the computer the power to learn, which is the machine learning. So the more it does that thing, the better it gets. A good example is when you play chess with a computer. The more you play chess with a computer, the better it gets and the more it beats you in the game. Mm. 
there was even one experiment many years ago by Google. Um, there's this game. It's called Alpha. It's called Go. It's a Chinese old game. Mm-hmm. So Google built, um, the, you know, there's a documentary about it. It's called Alpha Go. They built a, they built this, um, robot AI to play against the world champion. And the, the AI went and won rather. So imagine the level of sophisticated technology that has gone into being able to predict the moves of a grandmaster wow. in a game. And then you're able to sort of like beat the person that is supposed to, you know. So those are like how AI is becoming so powerful. The downside in that is where do you draw the line? How much does, mm-hmm. you know, when does a computer get to the point where you give it an instruction and it says, I beg, I beg, I know they go. Exactly. <laughs> like, like what, what do you think the future of AI is in, in, in the world? Like, there are people who have concerns globally, right? And that's why, like, you have regulatory bodies policing yeah. all of this. Um, but I do think that if put to good use, right, AI has the power of replacing a lot of, you know, um, trivial tasks. Mm. Um, I don't know if you've seen um, the latest Alexa ad for Amazon, right? With uh, Scarlett Johnson, you know, basically it says, what if Alexa can read your mind? Mm. And there's one popular joke like that that I saw on the internet. Like, you know, they cracked a joke, husband and wife. The wife laughed. The husband laughed. Then Alexa Alexa laughed. (laughs) (laughs) So I think... When you look at it from that angle, privacy concerns come in, like how mm. how much privacy do you now have over your own private life, mm. right? Uh, but also the good side is that you could just be in bed, order for breakfast in bed, do all of those different things. And, and a robot will bring it to you. A robot will bring it. I think, I think we so I think we will learn how to manage. Human yeah. race, I think, is always about our ability to adapt to this situation. We would adapt to anything. I think that's one of our greatest strengths. Um, and I think it's always good to see technology from the things it can do to enhance our lives mm-hmm. because it has definitely enhanced the life of a lot of people. It is still enhancing the life of a lot of people. And we still have, we have it within our own control as far as I, I know and I think. It would just be that when you are in the position, so it comes back to you as a founder, for example, like for me, mm-hmm. there are certain protocols, policies that you would ensure that this is how you build whatever you're building and just having that governance, mm. right? Ensuring that the people that are able to provide, you know, clear processes, structure for how you should get this thing done so that when they do that, you follow that. We all can sleep at night feeling safe. Mm. Not like robots will now organize cool. Inside your house. We're not gonna be robots. Imagine robots just organize school, just tell your guy, guys, pack out this. Or you go go best robots, robots call you for this. Because you know, robots go strong past us normally. Yes, now, and they don't have feelings. So if you just shout, say, you don't do, I beg you, you know, but actually, I mean, with this new type of robot that they are. You won't create things inside robots. That's why I'm always like, I feel like technology is gonna do a lot of for like the human race and even our evolution. I'm just, I just really think that when does it become too much, right? Mm. When do we say we need to stop here? Because we're already complaining about what technology is already doing in the world. Mm-hmm. Even though it's solving lots of problems, we still have lots of downsides to it. So, and that would be just the jobs of, um, in tech, we have, like I said, governing, governing bodies, regulators. Mm. Um, and I think part of their job, you okay. know, is to ensure that 
at the end of the day, at the center of everything that we do or innovate, that it doesn't cause harm to the human race. Mm -hmm. And I think that is, as far as I know, the conclusive movement mm -hmm. around technology, like, except for the bad actors, obviously, who are using technology to exploit uh, people's situation and all of that. Because yeah. there are hackers in the world. There are still people that use technology for evil, right? The hacking so, is wild. Just like, is wild. Have they hacked you before? They've tried to. I have always said no in Jesus' name. I bind you. So how do you, how do you, like, how, how do you protect yourself? From I feel hackers? like I've, I've done my two factor authentication. I think Yay. that's great. But also, I'm always very skeptical about like random pages who's like send me links to click on or putting my details. Points. Okay, let me ask about crypto because you've not explained crypto to me. I need to know. We don't know about crypto. And, yeah. No. I need to know about crypto and why. Because for the longest time, I told you I had, I had an Igbo friend. Mm -hmm. I don't even know why I'm saying Igbo. I had a friend. Yeah. Or I, well, I don't think about that friending anymore. That was always telling me about crypto. Like for the for the whole of 2019, this guy kept telling me about cryptocurrency. Wow. Good. I just feel like, at that time, MMM just finished dealing with people. <laughs> so I'm just like, why would I invest in something where I don't understand? What mm -hmm. currency? What's coin what, what are you talking about hmm. bitcoin 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 he just read a bitcoin for somebody he felt like he was doing fraud to be honest hmm. <laughs> so tell me about cryptocurrencies why have they suddenly become a thing hmm. how are people able to make this much money from it what is the what is the system that makes it valuable what it, yeah valuable okay um i would try to summarize cryptocurrency yes, in the sense that is a financial instrument mm -hmm. that is, is money or it's not money, but it's a form of money. Now, mm -hmm. when in the beginning, it was very speculative. And one thing about financial markets is that speculation, you understand, drives people to move up or down. So for the most part, it was all speculation. Just, ah, buy, 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 mm -hmm. buy. And once more people are buying something, value goes up. Yeah. Once some people are shitting on it, value comes down. So I think a lot of people that made significant money from crypto and mm -hmm. are still going to make is that they were jumping on different cryptocurrencies <clears throat> and all of them had different value, like their price points. Mm. And since they are all crypto, when there is upside in the market, most of the time, so most of them would, you know, go up with the market. And once there's downside, they will collapse as well. If you had bought um, Bitcoin two years ago when it was still trading between like $10,000 window, <clears throat> the difference between then and now is like a lot of people have jumped into the market. A lot of people have pushed, um, you know, the speculative power of it. And then now you also see government getting involved, right? And why a lot of people got involved then was just because it was not regulated, it was not controlled. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people saw it as a way of storing their money in another type of currency that the government could not have access to, which is one, I mean, for a lot of other reasons, it was just a trading um, instrument for so many people. So... Now that there's a lot of attention from governments, from different people, and you know, you, you see in the news, it also affects the value, mm -hmm. which is why sometimes you see that once there is a major 
um, updates about something around the crypto markets. Maybe America is saying something. You see value go down mm. and all of that. So, so far, as far as I know, I don't know if there is any technical way of looking at how it is going up, how it's coming down. I mean, I don't play in that space, mm. but I obviously know about the sentimental and the speculative value that people attach to it. Mm. And so once it becomes very speculative, people go into it. Right. Once it's, um, you know, and obviously in terms of the amounts in circulation, I don't know what the um, coin cap, they call them. Mm. So coin capitalization is total amounts in circulation. Mm. So different uh, cryptocurrency release new, um, they mint new coin. That is the ones that they have in circulation. Maybe it's already held by different people and there are no new coin circulation. Mm-hmm. So they mint new one. So obviously when they mint new coin, uh, it means that there's opportunity for more people to own. And by those people Who's owning, controlling the minting of those coins? So minting of coin is based on, remember, it's all based on coding and it's based on performing specific tasks. Mm-hmm. So the computers of the people that own, that perform those tasks are the ones minting. So the minting is just a computer that is performing a set of complex calculation. Mm. Once they perform that calculation, there is a reward for that calculation. That reward is the minting process of the cryptocurrency. That's how you earn it. And that's what put into collision. It's very confused. Yeah, it's a very confusing topic. Even for me, it's like, it's wild, but... um. I do think obviously there's enough opportunity in crypto, which is yeah. um, one, the fact that the use cases that people are proposing it for mm-hmm. is there. Um, the fact that you can't deny the, you know, that cryptocurrency is yet to stay. Yeah, it's just it going to take a while before, I mean, some countries like you know El Salvador is already like trying to make it a legal tender, if not, right? And I know they are facing a lot of barriers in the EU mm-hmm. about this. Um in our country, I know like there's a ban on transaction and activity around it. So I think over the next coming um, years, because of the people who are involved now, which is like the millennials, the Gen Z, the young people, um, the, this is the generation that shapes technology. So you are responsible for shaping technology mm-hmm. forward. So I'm sure that we'll get to a point where this would be something that, you know, we accept. But till then, I think it's just a lot of people wanting to make so much money um, because of how high this thing can go. So mm-hmm. you buy low, obviously you sell high. Yeah. And then that's by the deep concept. Um, and just how every financial instrument works is, is arbitrage. You look at when there is a opportunity to buy, you buy. When it goes up, <clears throat> what makes it go up? I cannot, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to think there's so many technical reasons, but for the people that you see just talking about it, trading, 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 mm. It's so much about speculation than fundamental. Right. You know. Okay, so before I let you go finally, I, I just really want to get get this from you, right? Why should people or why should young people invest in tech? Hmm. I know it's new, it's looks viable, it's viable. Why should we really invest in tech? I think the primary reason for anybody to think about technology, as I said earlier, is that democratize access. Um, a lot of people are their own boss right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of people create their content. They are becoming big influencers on social media, making their money without any formal um, employment, so to say. Um, that is possible because of technology, right? And I think that is the real power for why a lot of people should get involved. It's mm-hmm. that 
There are so many tools. It's a platform where you can be in the center stage if you can bring your creativity, your talents, or you can sell something or provide value mm. to a large community. And it's not restricted to the local market, right? So that ability to access opportunity from anywhere in the world is one of the biggest reasons. And the fact that if you're looking at a way to, you know, almost immediately be very competitive as a person, you need to be doing something in tech. Because even if you are not a software programmer, you are not the person that is writing code, right? There is something that you do that is still going to be useful in the tech ecosystem. I mean, mm-hmm. because people talk about startups, they only focus on, for example, the founders and stuff. But there are a lot of people within the startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You still have customer service. You still have uh, marketing. You still have different things. But they are all working in the tech company. And they are able to market that skill set um, across different regions. So the way, um, if a company wants to come into Nigeria, they, they are looking for someone that is good to it marketing or community management, for example. Mm-hmm. And you have that skill. They don't, you don't need to even travel anymore. They can hire you from there. You can be here doing that job. Um, the flexibility that comes with it, right? Um, the fact that you can see things in more data-driven things um, is also a lot of reasons. The fact that um, access to resources is unrestricted. You know, I learned a lot of things by just having access to the internet. Um, I read a lot of books, a lot of things, you know, podcasts, videos, content. And when I say investment, I'm not just saying financial, just monetary investment, but investing your time um, into those learning new things from, from the internet is made possible because of technology. True. And when you can, you know, tap that value, it has a way of affecting every area of your life. So I think most people need to stop looking at it from just crypto as the way to invest mm-hmm. or even just start up as a way to invest but look at it as technology is an amplifier of whatever you have to offer to the world without anybody you know barricading that access you too can speak to anybody mm-hmm. you know and i think that's that's a good way to look at it that is get involved because it's a way of amplifying yourself amplifying your money anything that you have tech can amplify it you know one day you're not popular the next minute you are trending, you can be trying for a good thing, you can be trying for a bad thing. Mm. So it just depends on how you use this platform, you know, for yourself to, to make yourself better. Amazing. This has been quite an episode. I I think I've learned a few things. I'm so good, probably going to bring you back on so we can discuss more or because I think that you will never fully understand this tech this tech thing completely, but I'm happy that you actually explained a couple of things. So it makes sense why. I think one of the things that I really took out from um, this was the reason why tech startups exist to solve human. I just thought that a group of people just wanted to make money. Some people do it to just make, so of course, we would do it to make money. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not that, it's not that, you're just, I mean, they are social startups. Do you understand? They just do it for the social value, but at the end of the day, um, it's all about just solving real problems. That's what gives you the money. Mm. But some people don't do it because um, they care about startups. It's just that they 
so they see an opportunity, mm. they build something, and they're able I mean, to isn't, isn't that the way they say people will make money in life? That if you see a problem, you have to solve the problem. What problem are you solving? Yeah, exactly. I, think I mean, know. so I, I mean, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying that that is a way to look at it, not just that, oh, because um, tech people solve problem. Mm-hmm. There are some things that are not problems. Like, right. So some people just create startups because oh, I want to solve, solve this. But there's more to solving problems. Mm-hmm. It's just being able to understand why. Once you can connect the problem, and you're going to make money. That's you're going to make money. Parts that I need to understand. So if you want to be buying APs and stuff like that, you just start. I'm ready. I'm ready to start like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You so can start by by going taking taking new tech side gigs. You know, <laughs> so I probably will create a hosting, hosting a podcast on Metaverse, for example. I don't you know how you go drum. To... I don't know how you go drum. Huh? I don't know how you go drum, but you go just drum. They will pay gates fee. I go drum. I go just even tell them say no thing. NFTs are sold at the gates of this. Buy one NFT to have an access. Okay, thank you so much for coming on, Kes. Um, this has been a tech episode for dummies, indeed, because. The entire time I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know this, I didn't know that. So, thank you for doing me the honors. It's my Is it pleasure. Honor or honors? Anyway, Anyone. Thank you for helping me. Are they honored? <laughs> I'm honored to have had you on this couch. Um, I look forward to like learning about more tech stuff and just being very invested in this space because I think it's a space that's very viable, mm-hmm. viable and I think that I really want to ride the wave now that I see that a lot of these things are happening and I think like a lot of young people should also do it if anybody had told me about crypto anyway they told me about crypto if anybody had just no year pressed work. me to say you know what just invest my money I probably would be a billionaire by now you're not alone you're not alone there's all of us that feel that way yeah I mean I, I look back at the billions I could have made but it's what it is yeah let's just jump on the on the next one on the wave thank, thank you so much, so much my pleasure as well. thank you so much for coming Kes my pleasure it's a wrap Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 